Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Natural Born Hunter podcast. And tonight, we're going to start out with this. Phil, what is better than getting 10% off on your Mountain Ops purchase? Getting 11% off your Mountain Ops purchase? That's true. And what's better than that? Well, we can walk this all the way up, but let's just go ahead and jump right up to 20% off, Will. Yes, let's not annoy our listeners by going <laughs> increment by increment till he gets 20%. <laughs> if you want 20% off your next purchase from Mountain Ops, go to GetMountainOps.com, enter the coupon code NBH20 at checkout, and boom, you get 20% off. I encourage you to do so. I love my Mountain Ops. Hell yeah, they've got great proteins, pre-workouts, they got little... BCA pills that I love, multivitamins. I mean, if you want to get jacked, just take a little Yeti, and you will be well on your way. That's it, man. And you can't beat the new flavor of the Yeti. So check it out, everybody. Once again, NBH20 at checkout. Also, uh, we are able to provide to you a pretty sweet gift code from Maven Optics which is NBH gift. If you enter that at your checkout, they will send you some free Maven swag with your purchase. I mean, these are probably one of the hottest binoculars out there today. They're fully customizable, you know, when it comes to camo patterns, colors, and not only that, they're great glass. I'm going to have Phil tell you a little bit more about that because he had a really nice expensive pair of binoculars and he sold them and got himself yeah, some no, Mavens. I Absolutely, man. I mean, when you when you look at us as hunters, we want the best bang for our buck, right? And not everybody has fifteen hundred or two grand or twenty five hundred dollars to spend on a pair of optics. So why not get as close to the good the quality of what those two thousand dollar pair of binoculars are for half the price? You know, I mean, Mavens put a excellent product together. They've eliminated the middleman and brought you the hunter, you know, the best product they can put together and kept it in a reasonable price. So, you know, if you don't believe us, you know, they're out here, they're finishing first or second in, in all kinds of awards when they're putting their binoculars out there for an independent review. They just took second in a recent review on their spotting scope. And that's, there was over 30 entries into that review. Uh, all the big boys were in there too, ladies and gentlemen. And Maven, yes, on their new spotting scope, took second place in there. I mean, if that doesn't tell you, you know, that they're, they're putting out top-notch quality products, you know, I don't know what it is. Listen to me. It's money. Listen to Will. You know, they're giving us, they're giving us and our listeners the opportunity to, you know, look, if you're watching, check out this sweet hat I got on. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a sweet hat right there I got with my binos, right? So check it out, man. They're going to kick you a free gift. I encourage you to support the companies that are really keeping the hunter in mind. That's right. So it's for Mountain Ops, NBH20 for 20% off your purchase at checkout. And for Maven, it's NBH Gift at checkout. Try them out. At Maven Let, built, yeah, mavenbuilt.com. That's right. That's right. So get on over there and try them out. And now go on and enjoy the show. Let's get this fucker on the road. Yeah. Tex, just keep the microphone as close to your mouth as you can. Oh, can you hear me better now? Yep. God knows I don't have a problem projecting my voice. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. I'm ready when you are. Yeah, that, that was, that was, that was, <laughs> Keep rolling, Will. <laughs> yeah, and this is the Natural Born Hunter podcast. I'm your host, Will Bradley, along with apparently my big dick co-host, Phil Big Sexy Mendoza. And apparently his rival in the big dick competition, Tex fucking Grepper. Uh, oh. What's up, Tex? Yep, I'm back. Hey, hey, I got to mention, usually we would not have a guest on so soon. However, after Train to Hunt Pennsylvania this past weekend was such a huge success, uh, I feel like... We had to have Tex back on now that he is the Train to Hunt Pennsylvania men's traditional category champion. That seems fitting Thanks, to me. Well, you're, you know, you're welcome, Tex. Thank you. You could have said back by popular demand, damn it. Back by semi-popular oh. demand, demanded by Matt Anderson himself, Tex Grebner. <laughs> Hey, Tex, tell me what you thought, man. What did you think of the weekend? Was it like you expected? Harder, not as hard? Uh, was it a bunch of pansies running around the mountain? What did you, you think? Okay, we're going to get the explicit rating right off the bat here. Everybody, I met a group of the nicest, most bad motherfuckers that I've ever met in my entire life. Like, yeah. I, I met some very, very good high-profile athletes, at least good in shape athletes, and these dudes were good shots, insanely fit, and most importantly, good sportsmen. Like, I witnessed some of the best sportsmanship that I have ever seen in any type of competition because in my past I've shot some competitive air rifle when I was much younger in the the uh, indoor shootings type stuff and uh, it wasn't nothing you did not leave your rifle laying unattended at the line or somebody would walk over and spin your windage knob on you I mean competitions can be really really cutthroat and I was glad to see the the train punch challenge. While it does have some utterly bad motherfuckers, like we had some really impressive times coming out of there. I would imagine for the course that we had, and some really impressive scores. But the amount of sportsmanship and camaraderie that I got from that was just amazing. Because like we all the other dudes and then there's me and I don't get out much but yeah it was I think part of the reason behind why while it is very competitive but it is also very much tight knit once you get to know everybody is the fact that everybody that is there is excited everybody wants to win do the best they can but damn it, we're all terrified. 
I mean, I didn't meet a single person that wasn't nervous about the course that we were going to be running because a lot of us were first timers and there were a few veterans. But Phil, we might not have had to deal with nation, but I think that every single person that competed found a break point and had to work through the desire to quit. Tex Grebner, did you or did you not encounter a pile of pansies on the train to hunt course this weekend? Uh, you can't be a pansy and do this, but I would definitely say that anybody can prepare to do it because we had people of all shapes, sizes, and ages. You know, I... Yeah, there were a bunch of bad motherfuckers there, and just by virtue of being able to show up and face the fear of competition and face the fear of failure automatically made everybody else a bad motherfucker. Me, on the other hand, I don't know. I'll leave that up to Will, Mr. Director. But, yeah, I mean, it was tough and very fulfilling, really humbling, and but no. Uh, I got your post about don't be a... Can I just say what the actual hashtag is rather than... <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to do it. While we did have some beastresses competing, there wasn't a pussy there. <laughs> don't be a pussy. That sounds accurate. Well said. Well said. So then, Will, what was your take on it, man? How, what, sitting in the driver's seat, how... uh? How'd you feel everything went? Um, I knew that it was going to be a challenge with me shooting traditional, which is fine. It's my chosen way of doing it. Um, I could have shot a lot better on the Hunter's 3D course, but I didn't. Um, I did a lot better on the meat pack than I expected. I, I was... I was talking to Mrs. Bradley about how I literally, it's a good thing that I have the whole meat pack on video because I was running a bow cam. I literally have no memory, no memory between going down the hill and trying not to trip over everybody with a hundred pounds on me at the starting line until I came up that same hill across the finish line. I have zero memory between here and there, like none. The challenge course, all I can say is Will outdid himself, but if you ain't a real good shot like me, you better be in pretty good shape. Tex, how many burpees did you do in the challenge course? I actually made a terrible mistake, and it shames me to admit I forgot that it was supposed to be 20 penalty burpees, so I only did 15 each time. But I did burpees pretty much everywhere except for the first and the last target. I'm going to cut that part out, Tex, so I didn't hear that. I don't have to come take away your medal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, honesty is the best policy, but truthfully, when you've got that much shit going on in your head, um, 
I think that it would be a safer bet just to make it 15 and 15 because, you know, at that point, I'm still doing them. That's, that's true. However, <laughs> however, if you're doing against somebody else and you're only doing 15 and they're doing 20 tacks. Yeah, that would be a big deal. Um, I happen to uh, be competing against the best traditional archer in my category and the worst traditional archer in my category. And, yeah, I, I did them all honestly, but I didn't realize until I rewatched the footage that I took of the morning meeting that I'd actually broken the rules by only doing 15 penalty burpees each time. But I believe that I did at least 60 extra burpees compared to if I had actually made solid hits on target. So, you going to go to Nationals? I am sure going to try. You want to stay with Phil? Hey, I didn't want to just be bumming it. Like, I didn't want... But I suppose I could probably fly out to Denver and road trip down there. There you go, Phil. Now you got a driving buddy, brother. I didn't yeah, know I if I'm gonna make it too. the whole... Fa- I didn't know if the whole family was going to be going with Mr. Mendoza, the Iceman. And so I didn't want to be like, yeah, I'm... Hey, Phil, can I have a ride? And him be, him be like, well, you know, Tex, I'm sorry, but... It's kind of a family deal. Got a pickup with a bench seat, you know. But, yeah, I'll be at Nationals if I can possibly manage it. But, yeah, I tell you what about that challenge course, Will. That was a mentally exhausting exercise of trying to push yourself to your maximum as far and as long as you could. I'm not going to lie. There were parts of it where strategically, because I didn't know how long I was going to be at it, that I did walk a couple of those hills at speed so that I didn't burn out my calves pushing up them hills. But, yeah, I mean, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal course. Uh, But if you ain't a real good shot, you'd better be in real good shape. And I think an added issue that comes with my style of tackle is I was overdrawing from my normal anchor point because I was mouth breathing, and I'd be aiming right where I wanted to hit, you know, picking that spot with the traditional bow and letting her fly, and I'd be skipping like about an inch over top of the back because since I'd be putting another inch of draw on there with having my mouth open rather than having my mouth shut, that extra couple feet a second just screwed that, just took me out of my comfort zone, you know. And it's stuff that I find is something that I'm going to have to work on. And it just really, it's a competition for sure, but it is a damn good yardstick of pointing out to you your weaknesses. Like when I used to run tactical classes and be, or when I used to be in, tactical style shooting classes, you can do a review on something, but it doesn't have any credibility until you somebody push you 
to where you would actually make your gear fail. You can't give an accurate, you know, review on something until you've used it in the field because we can baby our stuff. When your bowl's out trucking, you're going to find out what you're made out of. That's very true. What was your favorite part of the competition? This is going to sound crazy, but the meat pack. Really? Why the uh, meat pack? The meat pack because I didn't have to do any burpees, and it was the one part that I had been dreading. And then to realize that it was probably the only event that I was mildly remotely prepared for, and also, like, I feel like being different, right? Like, I loved that meat pack simply because it was the one that envisioned hating the absolute most. And then I got there, and this isn't to say that it wasn't an absolute nightmare, because it was. I just feel like that was an incredible element of, like, satisfaction, man. Keep it in mind, dude. I Up until that day, I had never had 100 pounds on my back. I had only always trained twice the distance, half of the weight, to make sure that I wasn't degrading my joints, jacking up my tendons. And I think that that strategy stood me in beats instead. But um, how do you think my meat pack time compared to the other 100-pound uh, pack guys. I thought, I, off the top of my head, I remember it being pretty good. Do you remember your time? Uh, 11.04. Thank you. And I think the winner mm-hmm. was around 9.30, maybe? I think at that point, I was in the back wings of the competition, like, catch my breath and stretching by the I time think, that they got back. I think if you looked at all the times for men carrying 100 pounds, you'd be in the top half of the competitors. Well, that's reassuring. Yeah. I mean, Phil, I'm not kidding you. This wasn't necessarily at altitude, but it was absolutely crazy. Yeah, I talked yeah, to I- Tyler... He said there was probably more elevation gain at Pennsylvania than most other events. Because, Phil, it was literally like everywhere they took a turn, they were going up another steep-ass hill. Well, you can't can't go up every hill there's got to be downhill too right there was i don't know how it it, it would be <laughs> i don't know how i worked it out phil but somehow there was really only like let's put it this way so they started and they went up a medium hill then a really <laughs> steep hill then like they kind of would come down and around a little bit and, and then down then up a little hill then down a steep hill then up an even bigger, steeper hill. And then well, it, it, it was like every time you turned around, there was a hill. Yeah, you'd come back, but, but you'd go back up right again. Here's, here's my – and I'm not trying to down-talk that, right, but some of the last couple events that I've heard of 
that, that, that where they have stretched the courses out to a mile and a half ish, mile and a half plus. Um, just based off length alone, I, I don't. Will, I think you're blowing smoke, man. You guys were like three quarters of a mile. No, it was. Um, how long was that course? I don't know. You wouldn't tell me. Remember? I never looked. <laughs> It was long, man. I thought somebody said it was a mile and a half. Oh, you a mean mile the and challenge half, nine minutes? course? Are we talking about are you the talking meat challenge pack? Or are you talking challenge or talking meat pack? I'm talking about the challenge course. No, the meat uh, pack. No, the meat pack. I gave these guys. Um, I I did not crush these guys on the meat pack. I I wanted to test power, strength, speed. So I gave them a. Uh, I think it was point nine mile course. Yeah, and, point nine. Yeah, 0.9 miles, and it would go down the driveway from the place, and then it just went up a long, steep climbing hill, then kind of traversed and winded its way back around, and then you had to come back up the driveway. So, you know, it, it wasn't a brutal course. It definitely was not a brutal course, but if you were going as hard as you possibly could, you had to work your ass off to do well. The challenge course is the one that was the brutal one. Yeah, the challenge course I was referring to was nothing but hill. And how long was that one, Will? I think that's the one that was like a mile and a half or something. In I think someone said a mile and a half. And for a mile and a half, faster people did it in, I think, the high 20s, low 30s. Some people took up to like 45, 50 minutes on it. So was- I, I ran that course with the, uh, with the co-ed teams, and I admit that I must have been trucking a little bit because I was doing my penalty burpees, even if I did cut five off by forgetting. And I asked, like, I was counting out loud, and I asked the volunteer what what it was, and none of them could remember either. They just said, I know it's 15. But I must have been trucking a little bit because I did manage to catch up at each station after I did my burpees, and I came in right after the other team. But, yeah, no shit, Phil. I learned one hard lesson if you ain't a real good shot you'd better be in good shape yeah well there's no question there's some there's some uh some guys and gals that can just quite get after it and uh yeah we'll see hopefully i can make it to nationals myself we'll see how that goes you don't have anything else going on do you phil no i don't i just I don't know if I can, you know, sit on my ass that long until that from between now and then until when it, it happens. When know? are nationals? Uh, I just got the email from Kenton. The train to hunt nationals starts out with a mandatory check-in meeting at 6 p.m. Friday, August the 12th. Yeah, three and a half weeks, I think, is what it is. Damn, that is a ways away. Yeah, I think, I don't know, man. Like I said, I'm going to die of boredom between now and then. I don't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you know, Phil, if you're <laughs> bored, there's, I know something you can do. What's that? You can watch your Tex Grebner Saturday morning cartoons. 
Well, I watch the cartoon Awesomeness every Saturday, Will. I'm a subscriber. Did, did, you, did you actually miss the fact that I didn't bother to put anything up this weekend? I, I did notice that you didn't put anything up this weekend. Don't worry, Phil. I taped the entire Train to Hunt Pennsylvania competition. It so would be a lot get- shorter if I had run a better time on the challenge course. <laughs> it's all good, man. I mean, you know, first one out, you you got to get your feet wet and, and see what it's all about. But let me ask you a question. What was the average shot distance, would you guess, on that challenge course? Will was nice to me on the challenge course. I nailed the first one. The first one was probably the second hardest shot that I had. Nailed the first one. I'll let Will tell you about that because I just let flying took off. But the second target and the third target and the fourth target were all fairly close shots at the top of hills that I completely whiffed because I had my mouth open. I was aiming at the same point, but because I had my anchor point further back than normal by shooting with an open mouth rather than a closed mouth, I had that extra feet a second on the arrow shooting curve. Just right over top of the back of those targets. You know, so recurve doesn't have a back wall. You know, they were probably the shots that I was missing were about twenty yard shots that I should have made, but I didn't. I did actually apparently stick it in the bear out there. I believe they ranged that one at 50 yards. I did get that one, but there wasn't enough steam in the arrow to make a crack, so I didn't hear it connect. So I just dropped down and did the burpees. (laughs) Just in the interest of competitor honesty, you know, that it was just Went ahead and did it. And, um, but yeah, I think this video is going to come out pretty cool. Uh, boring as hell. But the thing about this is, everybody else that wasn't filming, like everybody, I was the only one running a, running a bow cam the entire challenge. I know there were a couple of YouTube channels there, but everybody else, me, in this video, if you watch it, you're going to get to see me drooling and running, and I can't hide from that camera, right? You're getting to see me set down my bag, take a couple of breaths, and you'll see the glaring breaking points in me in this documentary that I've put together. So it's it's a so, it's, it's a long video worth of success is what it sounds like. Uh yeah, it's going to be it's seventy five percent uploaded right now with my hamster wheel DSL connection, and um, I think my challenge course time was like forty minutes and some odd seconds. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, the up and the gra- the sandbag ground to shoulder 
was something that I was not terribly ready for. Like that was that part was brutal because I had I had thought that we were going to be able to just go in front shoulder to shoulder. And then I asked about it, and I didn't realize, okay, because we've kind of got novice judges, we need to go make sure that we go straight pressed over the head type deal, which is fine. Rules are rules. Like the the compound I was shooting with, um, which were a great group of guys, shout out to all of them. I can't remember their names because it was like, stay a Sunday school type deal. I don't keep track of names. But the compound guys were like, are you seriously doing this with a recurve? And I'm like, yeah, it's gonna suck. But it was badass. I don't have a single regret about doing it. I, uh, here's something I was wondering, Phil. When they did so i did the scoring and everything directly according to the book what whatever the book said that's that's how i scored things right and in the book um it actually says if you hit the target in the leg it counts as a zero Yeah, I've 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 heard that. I mean, I was that as did you at Colorado? Did they bring that up or no? No, I don't remember that. I don't remember them bringing that up, but I do remember hearing that elsewhere. Ring back on while your party is reached. Uh-oh. We lost text. Yeah, I'm back. You were saying about you were doing the scoring. Yeah, and I was saying how we actually scored it so that in you know in the book, um. It says for you know we get as trained hunt directors. It says you do not count one arrow if it is in the leg. It counts as a zero. So I was just curious if uh, that was something they counted out in Colorado, or if that was more unique to our competition. I I, I don't remember honestly that specific rule. I I think Tex may have brought it up, and then I don't remember if somebody else brought it up to me. And it could have been before or after you guys did Pennsylvania, but I have heard that at w- once or twice before, which, you know, that you've never hit it in the legs. So you've never worried, huh, Phil? Well, no, that's not the case. The thing is, is if you look at other organizations and how they score arrows, obviously it's not the same scoring, right? But if it's foam, it's foam, you know, this is, this is a game. This is not hunting. So, um, but where, where do you dictate where that belly line or that body line is? Because that's, that's very vague now if you're saying, okay, if the arrow is in the leg below the body line, then it's a zero. Okay, well, show me a distinct line telling you exactly where that line starts and the body stops. So that rule in itself is can be very difficult to interpret to, to an average Joe or a novice shooter that, that it, to anybody because there's nothing definitive telling you because, like I said, if you hit that... I don't know. Yeah, I'm I just sorry. think that I'm ruining your podcast. That's all right. Text. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so it's just to me that that rule's tough to swallow personally, as from from a shooter's perspective, because 
like I said, if you happen to hit the animal at that body line in the leg, what, what dictates what is leg and what is body when you're in that area? You know, obviously if you're down in the hoof, that's different, but if you're hitting close to that body line, there's no distinct line telling you you're in or out. Right, right. No, and I, I, I definitely can understand that. I, as a director, was just sticking to, you know, what's laid out for me. I don't know if I would, that's something I would technically, you know, want to see, but it definitely makes it uh, a little more challenging that way. That's for sure. Well, yeah, I, I can't remember ever seeing an arrow in the leg and calling it a zero personally. I, I mean, I don't remember in any of the groups I've shot with. I don't know. It could have happened and we could have called it a one, but I just don't remember. But but speaking of kind of changes and variations, now obviously Casper here is this weekend, and then that's it be, be, before the, the national event. So, Are you going? Uh, to where? Casper. No, no, I, I'm I'm not sure if, if I'm doing any more this year. I just got to see. But nationals is is, uh, is still up in the air for me. But um, but still, you know, with the with the change or the addition of another event and the scoring changing, is there any points? Well, maybe you might know this as a director. Is there any points uh, of value for that first event, that first evening's event? What? What evening event? So, so the, Are we okay, even so allowed the, to talk about that secret event? It's, it's on the – people have been, been putting it on social media all day, you know, that – They've got the people that have gotten invited or qualified for nationals. There is a bonus event of which you need to bring a GPS and a headlamp and it's at nine o'clock at night. And that's all it was said. The rest of the materials will be provided to you at the event. So I was just looking for, but here's the deal when he listed out and maybe it just could have been a typo when he listed out the point values for each event, because now that with this introduction of a additional event, now there's four events and the point values have changed slightly uh, on the shooting, and um, the meat pack and the challenge course stayed the same, but they didn't, they didn't show anything as far as point value for this bonus event. That's why I didn't know if there was Man, you know, that's a point a, value for it. That's a great question. I have no clue, Phil. I don't know anything about this secret event. I, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. So, Well, secret or not, it's been all over Facebook all day and people, because people got their emails and they've been posting it up there. So it's not secret. I'll tell you that now. Yeah. You can't really Um, send a mass email to a bunch of dudes thinking they'll keep it secret. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and and, you know, it is what it is. I, like I said, I don't know. I just know that there's going to be something with, with the use of a a GPS and a headlamp. So are you allowed to bring um, a GPS? Yes. Yes. So, and and like I said, I mean, the, the, the pe- people have been copying and pasting or screenshotting their emails all day on Facebook. You know, I, I've been, I've been seeing, I, I can say probably at least four or five people that have copied and pasted the itinerary of the event mm-hmm. on social media. So there is nothing secret about it, right? You either qualify and you're going to go play or you're, you're not going to go play. I mean, it is what it is, but here's, here's a few changes that I, that I noticed right away. So a Friday night at 9 PM, there is an, a, a bonus event, right? It did not show a point value. And like I said, that could be a typo where Kenton just forgot to put it in there, but there is a bonus event. It's going to be with the use of a GPS and it's going to be at night. So you're going to be having to do some kind of navigation at night. 
In addition to that, the point value for the 3D portion of the event went up from 100 points to 120 points. So could that mean that there is a few extra bonus targets? Possibly. Could, there, could that mean that there's, who knows, right? But the, the point value reflects 120 points as opposed to 100. The other thing he said, he does allow you to include bringing a rangefinder for the 3D portion of the event. Now, again, if we're shooting smart yardage now, you know, then then that's a different game. But um, and then you still have the meat pack and the challenge course. Wait, but, so, that, so you can now shoot 3D with a rangefinder? I don't know. It just says when you li- when he lists that events what to bring, a rangefinder is included on what you should bring for that day's that specific events. Uh, kind of, you know, the, the layout. Yeah. Maybe you'll be allowed to range a couple or something. Well, I don't know how you're going to allow people to bring them and tell them which targets they can and can't range because then you're going to put people on the honor system. And, and granted, most people in this game are, are probably truthful people, but when there's stuff on the line, when you've got stuff on the line to win, whether it's prizes or whatever the case may be, um, that gets to be a very slippery slope. Maybe it'll be a competition who can nightjack the most deer. <laughs> No, well, I don't. I mean, the, the shootings during the day in the morning. It's, the shootings normal Saturday morning. It's uh-huh. just this one extra event between nine p.m. But nine p.m. and midnight, which is going to be some kind of a navigation type, uh, you know, or a, a who knows what it is, right? Call it a scavenger hunt with different waypoints and find us. I don't know what he's doing, but I that's what that's what he's included on the uh, on the itinerary. That sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, unless somebody doesn't know how to read a GPS and they get lost at midnight and we got search parties out there. But, yeah, I mean, you, know, you should know that hey, going shit, into it. It is what it is. Yeah. You should, well, yeah. But, but here's the deal, Will. You know as well as I do that some of the participants that compete in these events maybe aren't necessarily hunters. They may just, they may be, fit, they may be fitness type of people. They may be archers and they've found this and they want to do it. That, that percentage is probably small. But that prob- that per- that group probably still exists. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I don't think I'd go. I don't think I'd risk it. To be honest with you. If that. If that. I don't know. It's interesting. If, it's interesting. If you know, I can't read a GPS. I wouldn't go. I'd say f that noise. I'll just stay home in my nice warm bed, get a lot of sleep, and be ready. And you know, because that here's the other thing, Phil. Right? You can go to this event right let's look at it like like a game which it is and and a sporting event and say all right you can go what if you're out there till three four in the morning yeah you will be but then well maybe not it's it's between nine and midnight but yeah i get you okay now what time are you getting up the next day well you got to get up and be ready to be at the shooter meeting i believe it's seven i can't remember if it's seven or eight in the morning all right, so by the time you drive home, take, you know, get in bed between the time you get up, you're looking at six-ish hours of sleep maybe? maybe yeah, less. maybe. Cause... Probably less. Yeah. You know, just because you're going to be all wired. Not Maybe, you know, maybe you'll come back. And it's either going to be worth it for you or it may not be worth it for you to do it. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, no. You're, you're, hey, man, I, we'll see how it goes. You know, I'm I'm interested to see, but uh, it's uh, I'm just curious too because from what I've heard on that um, 
on that place that the Salt Lake venue, it's not real big, you know. So I don't know. Yeah. Hold on, let me get a text back. <laughs> I he cut out that time. I didn't, I didn't even notice. Verizon ring back on while your party is reached. Yeah, there we go. You know, text. I couldn't figure out why you hadn't said anything. Then I looked up and I saw that message. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool, you know. I live out in the sticks. I don't get out much. Can you hear me good now? Yeah, yeah, I can. Um, yeah. Hey. So it's a risk. That's that's you know a risk. You got to calculate the rewards versus the uh, possible downsides, right? Do you want a good yeah. night's sleep? Sleep like a baby. Get up the next day. Be ready. You know, bright eyed and bushy tailed to go. Or are you gonna? You know, maybe you'll be tired, and that's something you also have to think about when you're out there hunting, right? Well, yeah, and and, and here's the deal. Again, I mean, a lot of what Kent's trying to do is just put people in situations to be ready for hunting, you know, and be it the, the meat pack simulating carrying weight, be it the challenge course, just being in better shape. You know, the shooting, obviously, you know, nobody's going to shoot 20 times unless you're me on the mountain emptying quivers left and right. But, you know, most likely you're going to shoot a couple arrows in a hunting situation, max. So at the end of the day, there's, there's nothing that's going to simulate hunting other than hunting. And the thing that, that I just, that I always look at, and, and honestly, it's something that I consider because my, my, you know, I wait, we all do, right? Whatever it is, 10 months, 11 months out of the year, waiting for season to come up again. And, and obviously, you know, people have always talked about, oh, you're crazy. You know, running with a hundred plus pounds on your back, you know, if somebody's looking to get hurt, that's a big argument, Right. And, and it's like, to me, it's like, you know what, if you're preparing and you're used to doing that, anything, you can get hurt walking across the street. So to me, I don't put a whole lot of credit into that. But then you start talking about not doing, you know, going through a place at night and, and possibly having some, you know, average, you know, newbie hunters. They're going to have to be doing some navigation at night under headlamps. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, as far as get, staying up late, getting up early, man, we do. I, you know, if you're hunting, you're doing that. That's To me, that's not an issue. It's just an issue of, you know, it's a fun game, but, you know, is there is there enough skin in the game to, to, to really get motivated to go out there and do it again? You know, I mean, me personally, I don't need a bow, you know. Uh, I don't, if that's what they're giving away, I, know, I think that's what they gave away last year. Uh, I really don't need a pack, you know. If I'm going out there to compete, I'm going out there to compete just for 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 bragging rights because that's that's really all there is to compete for. And I don't know, man. Like I said, we'll see if we'll see if I make it or not. So, what, speaking what of, of risk or reward, <laughs> hey, Will, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Yes. On the note of the whole risk and reward thing, I'm with Phil. Like, I think that if I were to be going out west, this would have given me an excellent reason to train. Coming at it from the standpoint of, remember how I said that it sounded like the absolute craziest shit that I'd ever heard of when you told me about it? Yep. But I'm the type of guy that does crazy shit, right? But... Um, funny story about the week. I think my favorite part of the entire weekend was when we were rooting through a wood pile out there in the woods trying to find our arrows 
every single one of us realized, well, this is where copperheads like to hang out, and we're sticking around and we're trying to find arrows. Huh. That's that's true, Tex, but I figured you'd shoot so good you wouldn't need to go looking for any arrows. Yeah, well, you know, I was the best and worst shot in that event, but... Uh, you know, here's the thing. I got to say, it, first of all, it was a great event, and I got to send a big thank you to Joel and Bill and all the guys who from the uh, Ambridge Sportsman's Club who helped with the event, and they were just a huge, huge help. It wouldn't have happened without them. And also to all the volunteers and the guys there who came out, you know, and donated their time and their energy and their hard work to get out there and judge the course, set up, tear down, just just help us fill sandbags. They were just amazing, amazing people, and I'm really thankful they were able to help make this happen because the PA event, Phil, was probably one of the most fun events I think I have been to. Not just trained to hunt events, but just events in general. It was a really good time. You know, it's a lot of work to do, and it's a whole lot more work if you don't have, like, a good volunteers and good clubs behind you. I mean, you've done how many events? You know what it's like getting volunteers together. It, it's not the yeah. easiest task. It was, no. yeah, I mean, we had some of the best hosts that I ever could have asked for. Yeah, and that's always good, man. When you've got a good house like that, that that's involved and they're they're willing to contribute and and make it fun for everybody. That's that always helps. Yeah, and it was a beautiful place, man. And the guys watching, they were getting into it. You would have thought, you know, trained to hunt. You would have thought it might have been a NASCAR race with the amount of people we had out there watching. You know, it was a pretty spectator friendly course as far as trained to hunt goes. Uh, and uh, also, thanks to Tim from Browning, he came out and man, he did just what above and beyond what people would normally do. You know, uh, Tim Atkinson from Browning, he just came out. You know, it wasn't just about running the booth. I had him running the camera for live feeds. You know, I don't know if you saw it. There was a live video on the Train to Hunt Facebook page. There's a couple of them where someone's following the athletes through the course no i didn't uh, i didn't see that well if you head to train to hunt facebook page you can check it out and the guy who actually followed him with the camera is is uh tim from browning so it was just a really cool really fun event and so thank you to everyone who helped out and thank you to all the competitors who came to compete because you know they just really helped build this atmosphere and build this movement and uh when the award time came, I actually got choked up a little. I thought I, I thought I was able to to fight back the emotion, but when I put that golden cam on Mr. Tex Grebner's head, I was uh, I was a pretty proud sportsman in that moment. Yeah, I was gonna ask. I guess technically, like I get, I'm a bona fide hunter athlete now. <laughs> yeah, Tex, you are as bona fide a hunter athlete as they come. Yeah, you know, the Browning rep, he was super cool to hang out with after I realized that you were joking when you said, text, don't you talk to our sponsors. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, Will, you did a great job. 
to yourself. I mean, I know you're trying to be modest, but I think that you did a great job just getting stuff together and making sure that you've answered our questions and also just the fact that you were authoritative where you said, okay, you argue, I'll disqualify you. We don't need to be talking about it. It's whatever that person says, you know, because it ain't easy to be in a position of authority where you don't really want to piss people off, but you've got to be director, and you've got to keep it all honest, right? That's true. That's true. And you know what, Phil, one of the biggest questions I got this weekend was? What's that? What's it going to take to get Mendoza out here? That's what people want to know. You know, I, uh, where they want me to come help you run that event or what? You didn't no, do they a good want, job? They, no, they, they want you to come compete, bro. You know, one no, thing I, that I, I will say, I admit I was name dropping. I was like, yeah. You know, Phil Mendoza and everybody was like, Phil, you are pretty darn well recognized. Like, everybody's got a good Phil Mendoza story. And when I say a good Phil Mendoza story, I mean a positive Phil Mendoza story. Hopefully there's not too many god-awful text scripter stories coming out of this weekend. <laughs> I'm sure How could be there be? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how could there be? Oh, you know, I'll find a way. But uh, all in all, I think that everything went just phenomenal, especially because I was, there's an old rodeo term called puking behind the chute. And, like, I was basically puking behind the chute the whole time until I got that first meat pack over with, and I was like, oh, man, tomorrow's going to be a breeze, and guess what? I was wrong. So wrong. You know, and if I had been a better shot, I would definitely say that I would like to see the traditional bracket grow just because... That's my passion, you know. I think that Ken, and for instance, uh, Ryan Callahan shoots traditional, right? I would think that for the amount of badassness that these Western hunters have, that if Kenton actually advertised this in the traditional bow hunter magazine, that it would be a phenomenal reception. But, um, yeah, well, I think that everything went absolutely fantastic. But because you witnessed it, I'm curious what your opinion of my first shot of the challenge course was, just so that somebody else other than me is telling that story. Don't want to toot your own horn too much, huh, Tex? Well, let's put it this way. I'd rather have you tell it as you remember it, because I literally personified that moment of truth right there. Because I was not wanting 
a few burpees right out of the gate and embarrassed myself on that course because I showed up with a stick and another smaller stick. So you tell the story about my challenge course started out because it kind of went downhill from there. Well, I'll put it this way to you. So they took off with the tire drag, Tex and the two uh, couples teams, and they came in. They Tex was the first one to line up, take that shot, and he pinwheeled that target. And he just walked off like a total boss, running out of there like a bat out of hell. And I was pretty damn impressed by Mr. Tex Grebner. I ended up asking Zach Smith yesterday through a text message, how far was that first target? And he said, well, from where you were standing, I ranged it at 35 yards. That was at 35 yards. That's pretty good. That was the best shot of my entire life. I hit the first target, and I hit the last target. But, you know, it was a great experience. And other people were like, talking to me about, like, man, it isn't really fair how you got to shoot from the compound stakes on the challenge course. And I said, listen, rules are rules, right? I got to do what I got to do to compete, and I don't get to choose it. I'll do whatever I got to do. I'm here to compete. And I just made it. I had a lot of modesty going into that challenge course because if you remember me saying, well, listen, dudes, I'm going to be a burpee factory today. That is 100% accurate. <laughs> and it ended up being true. But, yeah, I, I will make nationals if I, if I can get out there. Like, and honestly, this isn't necessarily, like, me trying to plug Ambridge too much, but I'm not kidding, Phil. I would think this course at Ambridge, this is my first event, but I think that based off of the venue that we've got there that we used and based off of the terrain, even if we don't have the altitude factor, I think that... You could set up a national-level course there that would just be phenomenal. Oh, Will, did you tell Phil about how we almost had to turn into the Tough Mudder, how we literally had springs that were on the trail that were just bubbling away making mud holes? I don't know what you're talking about, Tex. I don't you know, know what you're just... talking about. Oh, wait, yeah, maybe I shouldn't bring that up just so we get people there. But yeah, I mean we did have a couple of people jump in the pond after the challenge course. Yeah, it was, it was a great atmosphere, you know. Yeah, there was some there were some pretty big mud pits or holes that just, you know, kinda got bigger as you had to drive the ATVs and everything over them to get set up. But you know, that's part of it, right? You go hunting, you're gonna go through a little mud. And then when these guys got done, man, they were coming through the finish line, and they had to be smoking hot, and they were just stripping down to their skivvies, or some went in fully clothed and jumping right in the pond there. It was a pretty cool event. I'm, as kind of a concluding thought, like, it was, it was an eye-opening experience for me that I will never regret doing, 
and I think that especially anybody that completes an event like this truthfully is a winner because literally how many people can say that they've done it and you're really out there competing against yourself trying to get yourself ready. Now, granted, it doesn't have anything to do with my style of hunting with me being an eastern whitetail hunter on the flatlands out here. But at the same time, you know, there, you can't have an ego going into it at all because it will humble you like nothing else other than actual mountains, I would imagine. Because, like... You know what I mean? Like, it's definitely not something that I'll ever regret, because we did have competitors there, myself included, that aren't necessarily in the greatest state, especially, like, me. Not necessarily in the greatest shape. But, by God, if you complete the course, everybody claps for you, which is important, because I don't like this idea the hunter-athlete movement is a bunch of elitist pricks. It's absolutely not true. Were you worried they would be a bunch of pricks? I wasn't necessarily worried there was going to be a bunch of pricks, but uh, I, I never know, you know. I don't get out much. Obviously, I'm not very well socialized. I tell people that I was socially raised by wolves because it was me, my two blue healer cattle dogs, and a little red Indian bow playing in the hay bales growing up as a kid after school on the family farm. But uh, I met a lot of great people, rubbed elbows, and sat and shared bread and salt and meat with a bunch of badass motherfuckers that are some of the nicest people that I ever met got a picture with the world-famous podcast host, Will Bradley. <laughs> that's, that's true. And, uh, yeah, it was a fantastic event. I'm looking forward to see if I can make it out to nationals. And uh, I'd like to see the traditional bracket grow for Train to Hunt just because... Like, I'm going to be honest, it is doing it my way or doing it the traditional style way, you know, that the bow is lighter. Like, I admit, I admit my, my challenge course run and my meat pack run probably went a little bit easier than all the compound guys because even I waited out. My bow being a recurve, and all dozen arrows that I have in that quiver, two pounds even. That's the only thing that I was carrying other than my pack. And, yeah, I was running with two pounds. That was it. None of that extra stuff. But I don't think it really helped me because I was a burpee factory from shooting with my mouth open like a carp. <laughs> when you get to the top of that hill... Where that one ram was, man, I just, I do remember pulling back the string and hitting the corner of my mouth and thinking, son of a bitch, when my arrow shot like an inch above the target. 
Burpee time. Burpee time. Yeah. But yeah, it went phenomenal, Will. I'm very happy with how it turned out. I just hope that that I didn't necessarily embarrass myself as far as my performance level went. Nah, you definitely did yourself proud, Tex. I was I was very uh, excited for how you did. Meanwhile, I think another one of my fondest memories from it is me getting ready for the meat pack, giving you the thousand yard stare, and you said, "Hey, Tex, Tex," and I said, "What? What? You said my name, Tex. What is the best in life?" Crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentation of their women. And then he went with the starting gun. And I admit that was pretty badass seeing as compared to how I thought it was going to go. That it went a lot better on the meat pack than I thought it was. Because I'm not going to lie to you, that first morning before, when we all got there for orientation, we were all on that 3D course in my group anyways, and we were all like, man, I'm not looking forward to this afternoon. This is going to be a nightmare. These hills are hard to walk. But I think that everybody did good. Everybody finished. The volunteers were fantastic. A lot of great personalities. Met a lot of people that I honestly didn't really feel like I had any rights to associate with, but they treated me like a brother, and so I'm grateful for a lot of new friends. But I still stand by my claim that it is a little bit of a biggest dick contest because it, it's the craziest thing that I've ever done, but it's the most fulfilling thing that I've ever done. And so don't be afraid of it. Like, that's, it's hard to say don't be afraid of it, you know, because it's intimidating when it's your first one. But you just got to prepare for it, and you should do fine. Yeah, it's definitely experience. I mean... Yeah, you know... I'm the type of guy that... He likes doing crazy shit. And this is crazy. I'm all about it. Well, I think that sums everything up perfectly. Phil, you got anything uh, you wanted to tell us about? Um, no, I think I'm good. All done with the seminars? No, actually, tomorrow night we have our last one, uh, but by the time this airs, it'll be over. But I'll have them up on the Alpha Bow Hunting YouTube channel. I'm going to load up last week's uh, tonight, um, let it load overnight, because I also have slow internet service, and that freaking long videos take forever. But I'll have, uh, yeah. I'll have that up in the morning. All right, well, there you go. Head on over to Alpha Bow Hunting to check that out. Uh, you can also check out Phil's other podcasts at championshipbowhunting.com. And as always, you can catch your Saturday morning Tex Grebner cartoons on the Tex Grebner Outdoors YouTube channel. Uh, other than that, you know, get out there. There's still a couple events left. I think there's one in Minnesota, one in Wyoming for Train to Hunt. Uh, 
check out what everyone's talking about, man, when it comes to just a great community and a great bunch of people. It's a lot of fun. So head on over there, check it out. Uh, I think that, oh, shoot. I was just going to say, I think that um, it's definitely important that we reclaim the definition of a sportsman. And I can say now that I've done a train-to-hunt event that it would be Theodore Roosevelt approved.